Welcome to another episode of Simply Sales and Marketing and today we have a very, very, very special guest. I'm super excited to have him on because he's had a huge impact on everything that I do in sales in the last 18 months. We have James Say What Sales Buckley. Yeah, what's happening? Thanks for having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, it totally is. So James is Chief Evangelist and Master of Ceremonies at JB Sales. And he is basically training and educating salespeople throughout their journey. Um, I had the pleasure of getting to know him on a podcast on, I think it was 30 Minutes to President's Club, James. So I'm going to start by telling the story how I actually met you, because I don't think you know. Uh, you know, I, I would love to say that I do, Charlotte, but you know that I meet so many people. I meet strangers for a living, so it's hard to remember <laughs> their origins. I only remember our relationships because we carry them on forever once I meet with people. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was listening to 30 Minutes to President's Club and James came on. Now, I also listen to Make It Happen Mondays, which is James John, John Barrows, your boss, who That's right. puts that together. And... I was always struck by your incredible energy and you did a podcast with Nick Sigelski and Armand Farouk talking about cold calling, which is something that I do every day and yep. which I totally love. You were talking about you know, what to say when you get objection. I just was really struck by like, I said, wow, this guy has so much energy. I don't care what he's got, what he's selling, but I want some of that. That was my thought. <laughs> <laughs> So I sent you a message on LinkedIn. I said, I just listened to your podcast. It was really uplifting because obviously, you know, working in sales is hard. Um, it can, you know, we get a lot of no's. So that was the first thing that got me. Sent you the message. Then I started seeing you on a lot of the JV webinars. JV Sales hosts some really great webinars for all our listeners. In case you don't know about them, you need to attend them. We then had a Zoom call, I think, and you took me through a video recording that I put together for one of my clients, one of my prospects. Yeah. And you gave me some feedback, and I remember it. And, and my video was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. There's always room for improvement, though, And right? you, you said to me, you sound like a newsreader, Charlotte. And I was like, oh, my God. I totally do. It was news do. anchor like though. You admit it, right? I mean, it was news anchor like. <laughs> Absolutely. And from then, you got me totally hooked, and I was totally intrigued, and I decided to become a member of JB Sales. Well, hey, I appreciate that. You know, they they talked about the chief evangelist role. Scott Lee talked about this with John on a webinar that they did that we did together, and like. It's a coming role. It's an up and comer. It, it's yeah. a different vibe than what most salespeople imagine a role in sales leadership to be, right? Because there's all these traditional paths and all those traditional paths are being called into question in the modern selling environment of today. It's such an interesting thing to watch salespeople go from SDR to AE to customer success to SDR to leader to business development manager to senior to senior sales leader to VP like going from SDR to marketing now, going from SDR to content creation and beginning shows that are top of the funnel heavy. There's so many 
different values that salespeople bring to the table that I don't think we ever considered. Five years ago, these types of things were unheard of. And I think it's very important what you say there about, you know, being an SDR, being an AE, being a senior salesperson, director VP level. Salespeople have to be really good at being able to create content, market themselves. And you are a total specialist in personal branding. Do you want to tell us a bit more about how you got into that and also how you got into sales as well? Because I know that you started off in business development before you joined JB. Well, so I I didn't start in JB at JB, actually. It's interesting because uh, so I spent my life in the kitchen when I started as a teenager in the restaurant industry. I fell in love with the kitchen atmosphere. If you don't know about the kitchen atmosphere, it's very high energy. Uh, There's a lot of fun that happens in the back of the house at most restaurants that function well. Um, And that's what I got hooked on was the energy. Right. And I learned to ride that energy for 15 years. But in and out of these hot kitchens, I would take sales jobs because I'm a people person. I'm very magnetic and I I like meeting strangers. I never had that like nervous feeling. And I knew that that would be valuable for me and my growth, like just learning from other people, talking to them, building relationships. I'm good at that stuff. And I knew that. So in and out of the kitchen jobs, I would take breaks and I would do sales. I did door to door business to business with uh, a company that was like a third party seller for AT&T. And then I did door-to-door B2B for uh, a very popular pest control service, Orkin Pest Control. Um, so, so both of those brands are really recognizable. And once I got to the Orkin phase, it was door-to-door residential. Now this, you, you can't tell because we're on a podcast here, but I'm a large mammal. I'm 290 <laughs> pounds of whip your ass. And when you stand <laughs> on the other side of the door and you're trying to get Ethel, a 90-year-old woman, to open the door and let you in to do a free pest inspection, <laughs> it, it's, it's unlikely that she's going to open the door. But every day for lunch, I would go to gas stations and, and grocery stores, and I would sit in my Orkin pest control truck, and I would eat my lunch. And I could wow. never make it through a meal without people stopping me and asking me questions about ants and roaches and bees. And I used to get really mad. I was so frustrated about it because you're like, gosh, I just want to eat my, my lunch. And then it struck me like I'm getting shut down at the door. Stop knocking on the doors, James, and just drive the truck from place to place and park it and let the brand do the work. I ended up scheduling more meetings sitting in the back of the truck eating sandwiches than I did knocking on doors oh. because people were attracted to the brand. They recognized the brand. So when I started in SAS in 2015, my second year, I remember I had one post that went viral and I landed a bunch of deals because this social post went bananas. And I was like, okay, if I just do that and I talk to people that engage with my content, isn't that like the perfect way to reach out because they're engaging with my content? I have context. And what if I built this really recognizable brand for myself and say what sales was born from that concept? And now it's a lot less chasing and a lot more fielding. And I like that much more. It's, it's easier to create relationships with when people want to talk to you. I love it that you did, you did your post that went viral and that sort of gave you the inspiration to... <laughs> it was a keep... joke post. <laughs> I remember it. So this was the post. It's funny. I, I, I put a post out that said, wouldn't it be great if our email templates were honest? And then I put the post out and said, dear prospect... We can do this dance for 10 months where I reach out every couple of days and annoy the heck out of you. Or we can schedule a few minutes and you can find out if this is a worthy discussion. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, 
It was meant to be a joke, but I woke up the next day and it had like 219,000 views and like 700 shares. And I, my DMs were like crazy busy. People were hitting me saying like, I, I've, I've closed two deals using this email today. <laughs> I was like, yo, I was only kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh, 219,000 views. That is amazing. I know, and- it was crazy. You are an inspiration in many ways, James, but especially from a personal branding perspective. And you know, I'm always seeing content that you put out there on LinkedIn. You're talking about your story now about getting fit and sort of getting in the right mindset. There's so many messages of inspiration that you bring to to salespeople. And, and to even if you're not a salesperson, um, if the marketing people listening, you should definitely be, be following James and all that he does. Talk to us about the impact of personal branding and why this is going to be sort yeah. of crucial for salespeople and for marketing people. Um, yeah. No, you hit it on the head. It's for sales and for marketing. And the reason it's that way, I think, is because if you look at the toughest things that companies dial in at the top of that list you're going to find marketing and sales alignment and those two things sit closest to revenue generation so if marketing isn't doing a great job leveraging or or providing for sales to create revenue and sales is not doing a great job leveraging the collateral that marketing creates to start new conversations you have a breakdown in value propositions because one hand isn't feeding the other i believe that personal brands can act when done properly and done right and supported by marketing personal brands of salespeople can act as conduits between marketing and sales creating the alignment that we also desperately need but if salespeople and marketing people don't agree that it's valuable then you have a problem there because the salesperson mm-hmm. wants to invest in themselves but the marketing person is saying it's off the rails it's not our brand it's off it's off color we don't agree with what's being said so we have to have this alignment, this conversational like prowess, if you will, between both departments where it's like, okay, we feel like this is a valuable piece and we feel like you're a good person to be the voice of that valuable piece. So we want to build your brand and support your brand around this value proposition. If you don't do this, salespeople will conti- that want to build a brand will continue to leave at the end of every 18 months from your company seeking the bigger, better deal the stronger dollar amount, the more upward mobility, the promotion that they deserve that they, or that they feel they deserve. Uh, so, so there's this need for us to lean into our salespeople and go, where do you want this job to take you professionally? Because we are marketing and we want to help you get there. As opposed to, hey, you can't post about that on social media because that's our job. <laughs> yeah, and there's traditionally there's always been quite a lot of tension, hasn't there, between sales and marketing, which is completely unnecessary. Well, most of the time there is an element of competition involved here. If you think about what an SDR's job, an SDR's job is attention and interest. That's their job. Get attention from somebody that had no intention of giving you any today and create enough interest that they go and take the next step whatever that might be. If it's another meeting with somebody else, that's fine. If it's a deeper discovery call with the SDR themselves, that's fine. Your process is your process. If you think about what marketing's job is, what's their job? It's to get attention and create interest. Most of the time, marketing is great at CTAs. There's always a value and then a call to action. Click here to download this, click here to be involved in that, go to this webinar, join this show. SDRs need to take cues from marketing on this front and start sending that type of stuff to their prospects because it only feeds their their engine. It only feeds their interest. 
And you have to have that interest if they're to take that next step. At the same time, marketing has to enable the salespeople on a regular basis to use the collateral they create in their messaging. Hey guys, marketing here. Just wanted to reach out and give you this quick template that we created because this campaign is getting a lot of traction for our ICPs and personas. So use this in your messaging when you have a good opportunity in this context. This type of coaching helps salespeople to see how they align with marketing and serve more prospects, close more deals, book more meetings, and so forth. Yeah, and how much would you say that salespeople now are almost sort of flipping it the other way and writing a lot of the marketing copy? Do you think, how important do you think it is for salespeople to start doing that? Mm. Cop- so copy is different and you have to recognize the separation between your personal brand and your company's brand. I always tell salespeople, if you're going to build a personal brand, try not to attach it to a specific company or value. That might seem counterintuitive. The problem you have is that if you build a brand based on a specific value, persona, ICP, and then you move companies, well, that whole network that you've built is probably not very valuable anymore especially if you move into a different vertical, a different industry. So if you're going to build a brand, build it on something that's recognizable across lots of industries. Your company's brand, however, is the thing that your brand can carry the torch of. That, that's a little bit different than I'm going to build a brand about this particular problem or this particular product. What do you think, James, stops people from personally branding themselves? Um, So my experience has taught me that there are two primary reasons. First and foremost, they don't know where to start. So that's why I have a course that that we offer to help people. It's a free course. Reach out to me if you want it. Feel free. Uh, I'm very responsive. I'm on LinkedIn uh, (laughs) at Say What Sales on every single social media platform ever. Uh, So hit me up and I will send you that course if you want it. But I think fear is the other factor. I'm afraid of what my friends will think. I'm afraid of what these strangers will judge me on. I'm, I don't like the way that I sound on, on, uh, in audio. I don't like the way I look on screen. Uh, there's a lot of like pressure and self-judgment that we put on ourselves that withhold, that stop us, that, that, that hold us back from our potential as a brand, especially salespeople. If you think about their confidence level, sales is 90% no and 10% yes. So their confidence is already low. If you then tell them, hey, we think you're awesome. We want to build a brand out of you. Well, how is that possible? I hear no 90% of the time. I'm not that great. Then imposter syndrome sets in and it becomes this vicious circle of, no, no, you're doing so well. And then they're like, but I don't see my revenue reflecting that I'm doing well. Right. So that's why there has to be clear process, clear procedure, clear messaging. And we're all working together as marketing and sales to find that sweet spot that works best for our ideal buyers and personas. That's what personal brands can do. They act as little mini funnels for people to fall into and then fall through into conversion. I love the way that you put that, James. And I would totally agree with you there when you talk about people not knowing where to start. I see a lot of salespeople talking too much about their company product or service mm. rather than being authentic and perhaps telling the story themselves of, you know, I had a really bad cold call. I think, yeah, and fear, again, an imposter syndrome come in there and stop the person from wanting to talk about this. I think it's very difficult as well to, if, you know, putting content on different channels like LinkedIn to stay consistent, isn't it? Too many people, I would say, overcomplicate the process, don't you think? 
They do. They do. And, and, but, you know, before we talk about the, the content piece of it, and I'm happy to talk about that. I think it's an important piece of it. I want to talk about the imposter syndrome piece because I've, I've really been focused on this lately because I've been seeing it a lot in salespeople that get promoted, in leaders, um, even internally. Like we all suffer from this, right? But there are two types of imposter syndrome, and the first one happens early in our careers or early in our role when we take on a new role, and it's one of like, I don't know this innately. So I feel like me acting like an expert is false and I don't want to be inauthentic and say I know something I don't know. So I feel like an imposter. That's the first and most prominent piece of imposter syndrome. But later in our careers, there's a whole other side of imposter syndrome. When we become successful and we hit our revenue goals and we have, you know, the goals, are, the goalpost has moved. It's no longer about money. It's about growth and development and, you know, more of those non-tangibles. At that point, our imposter syndrome turns from I don't know this to I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy of this. And that can hold us back more so than anything else out there because then we hit a ceiling. And then we get frustrated because we can't pass that ceiling professionally. So here's the message there. If you can't grow personally, you'll never grow professionally. And that's, that's like one, that's A to B. It has to happen in that order. It's so true when you break that imposter syndrome into you know, the two parts, I don't know this, and then you become successful and you feel that you don't deserve mm. that success. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I always say when it comes to the fear part of it, we have two choices here. We can wait until the fear subsides, and in most instances I find that it never really does and we never really accomplish the things we want to accomplish because we're so focused on the fear and not the accomplishment, the goal. Uh, so, And the other choice is to act with the fear. And just do it with the fear present. It's not going to go away until you face it. Once you face it, you'll get good and your confidence will improve due to competence. And then you'll be able to do it without the fear. But until you do it with the fear, you'll never be able to do it without fear. Fear can be very motivating. Um, I find that fear, it can also be an adrenaline rush. We have uh, one of our event managers, Vicky. Uh, Vicky is a, a adre adrenaline junkie. She's a person that goes rock climbing and jumps out of planes and stuff. If you think about how people face fear, I think we do it even, even if we are excited to do it. So I think we have to transfer fear into enthusiasm and excitement. And it, you'll find that it's more useful in that way. Speaking of um, high octane activities, I'm terrified of roller coasters. And I keep <laughs> telling myself to just go on because it's going to be fine and nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Roller coaster is a big one. Uh, I rode a roller coaster with a young man that's a friend of my stepson's recently, and he would not let go of my arm. He was oh. so terrified. But then when he when we got up to the top and it really got the, the momentum going and we took a turn and he leaned in, I felt him let go and, and he kind of put his arms up towards the end and was screaming and having a good time. So again, like he was afraid, but he did it with the fear. And by the time it was over, he was having fun. You know, it was energy and it was it was electric instead of fearful. Yeah, get the adrenaline going. So I'm going to ask you the last question. What do you wish that you knew about sales and marketing when you started out? I wish I knew it wasn't about money. I knew that because I think everybody gets into sales. Everybody takes a job, really, because they need money. But once you get good at that job and you start making money, the goalpost moves. It becomes about something else. But I don't think that, like most people, I don't think I came into this job thinking about anything except my potential earning. 
And it wasn't until I helped as many people as I was able to help that I realized this is not about money. And the more I don't focus on the money and just focus on the goal, the more money comes in. It's such an ironic thing about sales. The best salespeople don't sell at all. We provide a path to value, and then our prospects check a box that says, yes, I want this. And it's such a strange mindset to go into after your first year in sales. Because your first year in sales, you think persuading and convincing is the game. It's not till later that you realize <laughs> I'm, I'm losing because I'm trying to sell to people and no one likes to, to be sold to. Everyone wants to buy things. I don't understand. A year and a half in, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Oh, snap. If I just stop selling, people will be more interested in talking to me. <laughs> Exactly. And sales is now is it's always been about helping people. You know, you've said it right. People sell people. If you're genuinely doing your your role and you genuinely care about your prospects problems and you know that your product can help. It's not about the money. It's about giving people a service and helping them do something better. It's a fine line between annoying and obnoxious salesperson and professional persistence that's valuable. I love the way that you put that, James. Before we jump off, James, is there any other burning topic that you want to talk about? We obviously know we can find you, James. Say what sells Buckley on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. um, definitely follow James because his content is amazing oh i appreciate that you can find me anywhere i am uh instagram tiktok and on instagram uh, yeah and uh twitter at say what sales all and one twitter. word but also if you would like to become a member of jb sales feel free to join us uh and that is join jbsales.com and you can also become a member at sell better uh that's uh, sellbetter.xyz you can get access to our Slack channel. All of our tips, techniques, tactics, templates, takeaways are all available to you. And I've never met a stranger, so hit me anytime. Really enjoyed this episode and I hope to have you on again soon. And oh, yeah. for all of our listeners, follow us, leave us a review. We always want your feedback, good feedback, constructive feedback. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Charlotte.